the thought of doing this for the rest of my life would I would probably rather like jump off a bridge. <laughs> when I first started investing, I lost around 20,000, so I was $20,000 in debt, and I kind of had to dig myself out of that hole. I think this time it'll be a lot bigger crash than in 2008 for sure. What are some tips for just preparing for a potential recession? Going out and buying a Louis Vuitton bag, sure, make you look cool, but like it doesn't bring you any happiness at the end of the day. I was in school, uh, actually taking classes online with Harvard, which is you know, a very prestigious school, and I actually dropped out um, to you know kind of start all this stuff. Real quick before we get into today's interview, I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank everyone who's subscribed to this channel. It really, really helps so much, and it's the reason that I'm able to continue exploring my curiosity and talking to more and more interesting people that bring these valuable insights about how to be a better professional. My goal is to be able to share these lessons with as many people as possible, so if you've ever gotten any value from these interviews, I ask only this in return. Please subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet, please share this with someone who you think might also find value in it. Those two things help me more than you know and help me get better and better guests that bring better and better insights to the show. Thanks in advance and let's get into today's episode. I'm Lars Raymond, I'm 23 entrepreneur. Um, I have two businesses, a podcast, and uh, yeah, we're just going to be diving in that today. I'm super happy for Brody to invite me to be on the show and uh, excited for what we dive into. So yeah, great to have you, Lars. I'm excited to get into it. You've got your hands in a lot of different stuff. I know you talk about investing and uh, a lot of mindset stuff. So I kind of just wanted to get into some of that, talk about your business, podcast, kind of everything you do, maybe get into some current events. So let's let's do it. Um, so first thing I wanted to ask you is it looks like, well, I want to get your take on this one and, and ask you a question about it. Looks like we may potentially be kind of staring down the barrel of a recession coming up either this year or next year. Are, what are your thoughts on that? And I kind of wanted to ask you, what are some tips for just preparing for a potential recession? Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing, in my opinion, some of the craziest times we've ever seen. Um, and it's kind of like a bubble and we're just waiting for it to burst. Um, what I'm kind of doing to prepare myself is I'm kind of being very careful of what I'm investing in and majority of my money right now is liquid. Um, I just, I don't know, like it's, it's a good time to invest because everything is, you know, at discounted prices, et cetera, stuff like that. But I don't think we've seen the bottom price for stuff yet. Um, so I'm kind of, it's just kind of a waiting game for all of us right now. Um, but I think with, you know, interest rates and inflation, everything's just going to eventually like crash and, you know, just like it did in 2008. Um, and I think this time it'll be a lot bigger crash than in 2008 for sure. Yeah, it's, it definitely seems like, I mean, obviously it's unprecedented times with everything that's going on. So I, I can definitely understand wanting to be a little conservative with, with your money. What are some um, what are some things that you would invest in if you were going to invest in anything? 
So yeah, I mean, some things I'm looking at or getting into is mostly recession-proof stocks, um, things like Walmart, Lowe's, um, Target, um, just to name a few, and then also kind of like where we're heading as a, I guess, society. Um, we're you know kind of going more towards everything is energy-based, so investing in things like ChargePoint um, and things that have to do with electric vehicles or sustainable energy, something along the lines of that, um, as well as I am looking into digital assets, um, but that is kind of more of a risky, you know, option to get into, um, but it is definitely on the back of my mind. Speaking of digital assets and just tech in general, I wanted to ask you too, do you have any particular apps, tech or anything that you use in the way of investing or just following finance trends, anything like that kind of in that world that you use that you would recommend? Uh, yeah, so I use for my brokerage, I use Webull. Uh, it's by far my favorite um, investing brokerage to use. I use TradingView um, for all of my day trading stuff. And then I use uh, Unusual Whales, which is kind of like a um, website where they will basically post about like large corporations or, you know, big politicians or corp corporations, CEOs post about, you know, what they're buying or selling. Um, and as also I use uh, Open Insider, which is kind of the same thing. It's just seeing what the masses are buying, or sorry, not the masses, the opposite of the masses. So like, you know, corporations, CEOs, et cetera, um, to kind of guide what I'm going to do with my money and where I'm going to be putting it. Very cool. Uh, anything that you think that is kind of a common misconception that people have about investing that you see kind of when you when you talk to the layman like what is a misconception that people have about investing that you think holds people back i think that the biggest misconception people have is they kind of uh play this so we talk about this a lot in my program it's called a buy and play dead strategy where people will just continue to just put money into something and just you know like it's just in their account. They hope it goes up, you know, like sit there, pray, and hopefully in 10 years it'll go up. And right now that's just not what you should be doing. You should diversify your portfolio into different assets, especially right now because everything is so crazy in the markets that if you're putting all your eggs in one basket, if, you know, you drop and break that egg, then that's it. You don't have any more. So um, I think that it's important to really separate those into different things like REITs, which are, you know, real estate investment trusts, ETFs, bonds, whatever. Um, and we talk about a 60-40 split in our program. So we're 60% in stocks and then 40% in other things like bonds. Um, so yeah, that's kind of our, it's kind of my thing that I see most common as a mistake is everyone's putting everything they've got into a few different stocks and, you know, it's not the way to go about it. So yeah, especially in risky times that are unprecedented and have a lot going on, it seems like you would want to just diversify as much as possible, spread out, spread out your options, because hopefully something will pay off if if things go crazy. Uh, could you talk about your program a little bit more? Is that is that one of your businesses that you're talking about? Yeah, so I started this business um, in November, halfway through November. Um, it's been going amazing. We've helped 
hundreds of people so far um, in the program um, just kind of get a understanding of what investing is because most people think it's just investing in like Tesla or something and you know they just buy low sell high which is not you know really an in-depth thing we teach them like every step of the way how to successfully do investing um, as well as we dive in deep to um, options trading and technical analysis and stuff like that so it's been really great um, yeah I'm, I'm just you know building that up right now I got four employees um, so it's growing pretty rapidly but um, kind of a rundown on that so nice what what made you decide that you wanted to start that was it something that you were kind of getting into anyway so for me i i had so many friends of mine like kind of where i got to six figures from my investments i had i don't really post about that kind of stuff but like close friends of mine knew about it and they were all like bro like come on help me out like teach me how to do this stuff like that and so i would charge them like 150 bucks to help them and they were making like thousands of dollars a month for me helping them with you know day trading or whatever else and so i was like you know i should do this on a larger scale and so i launched it and i really officially started gearing everything up um took about six months to like build out the program stuff like that and then launched it and haven't turned back since that's awesome, man. I think uh, a lot of the best businesses are born for service-based businesses, at least are born from a situation like that, where you're kind of doing the thing anyway, people are asking for help in one way or another, and you just make a business out of it. What have been some of the challenges mm -hmm. that you've come across as you've gotten into that and scaled that up? Um, I think the biggest problem that I've had is um, just not knowing about starting a business because um, I was in school uh, actually taking classes online with Harvard um, and which is you know a very prestigious school and I actually dropped out um, to you know kind of start all this stuff and I wasn't really learning much in my business classes to how to actually scale and run a business you know they teach you broad things like innovation whatever but as far as like running Facebook ads, how to you know create a funnel, how to create like lead gen, um, how to hire how to hire and fire employees, um, stuff like that. Like they don't really teach you that, so it's been a learning process for me. Um, lucky enough, I have a guy Connor that works for me, who has pretty much from the start um, that kind of helps me out part time. He's a mechanical engineer; it's his full time job, um, but he's kind of like the right hand guy um, that you know, knows a little bit more about like automation, sales, stuff like that. And we've kind of just been tag teaming, learning all of it. And, uh, I mean, dude, it's, it's so much fun though. Like once you learn all this stuff, seeing the difference it makes in your business is huge. Um, learning automation of your sales is, I mean, I think it's almost essential for someone starting a business these days. It's just, you have to be able to kind of scale things up fast if you really want to grow. What about, uh, taking on employees in general what have been some challenges with that because you mentioned you have four employees now and that's not an easy thing a lot of times business owners get caught up in just having kind of a ceiling for themselves because they can't kind of figure out how to take on employees and and manage employees the right way how has that gone 
it's it's been good um so connor very close to connor uh, we've dealt developed kind of like a you know a close relationship um since the start and then um one of my friends clayton he was actually one of the first students we had that went through the program and had really good success um so he you know is somebody that i know i can trust and to help grow the you know business um and then Daniel is also another guy who's, you know, gone through the program, had a, mon- a bunch of success, and, you know, we've taken him on to do various things um, with marketing and sales. And then my editor um, technically wouldn't include him, like, in the actual day-to-day stuff, but since he's editing the content and posting it and doing all that stuff, I feel like that's a big or biggest, you know, place we get traffic from is organically. So he's, you know, to me, in my eyes, he's just as, you know, big of a team member as Connor or anyone else is. So it's helped out a lot. Um, But that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's the biggest struggle I had was at first when we started, we were hiring appointment setters um, and they were just they would start work for a week and then they'd be like, oh, this isn't for me. And I'd be like, well, fuck. (laughs) Now what? So um, but yeah. Just figuring out the right kind of positions that you needed to actually mm-hmm. scale it. Uh, I want to talk about the content a little bit too. I know you've had some pretty big success around that. Could you talk a little bit about the strategy behind that, kind of the thought behind the the content, getting into things, how that's played into your successes in your business and, and how you've been able to grow through that? Sure. Yeah. So um, I have, I think, if, if you're trying to grow a business, like an educational program, something like that, you should be the face behind it. You should be, you know, trying to grow a personal brand, not try and grow a business brand. Um, but I mean, it's, it's just more of testing things to see what clicks and then kind of doubling down on what works, um, as far as content. Um, my other business that I have mindset mastery, which is a mindset community, um, the TikTok for that has just exploded. Um, we did the past four months, less than four months, 216,000 followers. Um, and then um, 54, the biggest week, the biggest week we had was 54,000 followers in seven days, um, 20 million in a month, like views. And it, it just blew up. And so that kind of opened my eyes to what was like possible. Um, you know, organically. Um, I'm actually getting rid of that account now. I'm selling it um, just because I want to put all my effort into growing this investing company. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's more of just a trial and error thing because I was posting on my personal like social medias for a year and I didn't see any growth. Um, so, you know, <laughs> just is what it is. You think uh, bringing on your editor just really helps kind of take it to another level? For sure, because for me, like the way I look at it, if if you're kind of structuring a business or trying to like get to that next level, you can't. And it, it was hard for me at first because I was like, I don't need to pay somebody. Like I can do all this my myself, you know. And that's just not the right mindset you want to have. If you can allocate your work to somebody else who's better than you at it, you know, by five x is better than you, and it's 
you know, not very much a month per month, I can just send all the clips to him. He'll edit it, post it. And then that gives me my time back. Cause I, I'm like prioritizing my time over anything. Cause you know, my main focus needs to be, you know, taking calls with calls with clients, helping them out, building the program out, not creating content. Um, obviously I'm the one that's talking in front of the camera, but like editing, I would much rather pay somebody that knows what they're doing and, you know, can just give better results at the end of the day. So I think that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned a little bit earlier that when you're building a, a business around some kind of educational program that your your personal belief is that you should build a personal brand rather than a business brand. Could you talk a little bit about why that is your perspective? What led to the decision to do it that way and why you think that's a better approach? Yeah, for sure. So when I see people post on, you know, TikTok, Instagram, uh, YouTube shorts, whatever, if you're advertising a business, you can't really put a face behind that business and know whose it is. Um, for example, like a great person I look up to is Alex Hermosi. And although like he started Gem Launch, um, every time I, you know, one of their ads pulls up, I'm like, oh, like I associate that brand with Alex Hermosi, right? Because he's the one that like started, got off the ground and everything. Um, I know he doesn't really do that anymore, but if you kind of put your face behind a brand, it's easier for people to like associate that brand with something or somebody. Cause if, for example, like if somebody's interested in my investing program, they are going to DM me. They're not going to DM like my company page if they want to book a call. And so, you know, a lot of people just are like, yo, I generally like, you know, what you do as a person, like your podcast, different stuff. So when you, I think it's a, good to have, you know, a face behind it because they're also kind of in making an investment in you because they genuinely like you and your personality and stuff like that. Um, and that's why I think it's important to like post a lot of content because a lot of people just watch the videos for you, not even like the content that you're talking about, you know? So um, I think it's in a great way to kind of build up your business that way. I agree. I think people, I mean, people, I was just talking about this with someone on my last episode, and I think people really buy into a, a person themselves because they, in this kind of digital age, you, you crave those interpersonal relationships and having that personal connection is kind of a necessity to make purchasing decisions these days, at least big purchasing decisions that carry a lot of weight with them. I just, I think having that kind of personal connection really is necessary for that. So I think that makes a lot of sense. So another thing I wanted to get into a little bit is we were talking off air a little bit about just kind of current events. And I know what you talk about primarily in your content and with your business is finance. Wanted to get into some current events around finance. You had been filling me in on a couple uh, do you want to give a little background on what you were telling me about with, with the uh, the Fed Now program? That was actually news to me. I hadn't heard about this. Yeah, so Fed Now, I I hate it. But so Fed Now, you know, say goodbye to all your payment processors, PayPal, Stripe, um, Zelle. What's what's another one? Cash App. Cash App CEO is now dead. 
uh, he got stabbed in, I think, Los Angeles, um, which to me is very, you know, suspicious. Like I, I told you off air, it just doesn't add up. I mean, a CEO just doesn't go and get stabbed like that. Um, so they're releasing around July 1st is when they're officially kind of like rolling it out. Obviously, it's in the works now, but uh, payment processor called FedNow, and it's basically just going to be a better way for them to track um, our, you know, uh, payments. So like if I were to Venmo you some money, I would be Venmoing you now through FedNow. So they would be able to be like, oh, well, Lars Venmoed $500 to Brody. Here's the tax you have to pay on top of that for the money you sent or, you know, something like that. And also I think it's a very bad thing because it's, it's a payment processor. It's not just like a mobile payment app. So if, you know, I go to somewhere and buy something and they don't want me to buy something, they're just going to put my card on, on hold because it's going to tie into the banks, but it'll first go through FedNow and then it'll go to the bank. So if they don't, you know, if I commented some hate crime tweet or whatever, then, uh-oh, you know, my account's on hold now and I can't buy um, eggs from the grocery store. So it's it's pretty scary. Um you know, how much access they'll have to our personal lives and bank accounts and stuff like that now. But there's not really much, you know, we can do about it, um, except just wait and see what it entails and, you know, hope for the best. So the big thing that comes to mind for me, too, is if it's going to be replacing things like Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, all of those that technology moves, adapts, changes, gets updated very, very fast. And it's because business moves fast and it needs to, it needs to be able to adapt quickly. I, I don't think it's very controversial to say that most things run by the government move and change and adapt very slowly. And I just think that if, if payment processing has to be done through one central system like that, it's not going to be efficient. And by any means of the word like I, I think it'll be very clunky yeah. very not very user friendly at all i mean think about any any technology that you have to use like like online dmv services anything like that that is made by the government it's usually made good and just good enough to work and i don't think right. this is going to be very very friendly to the average user it's probably honestly going to weed a lot of people out of even being able to use payment processing if they have to use something like that. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's just, yeah, I, for sure. I totally agree. And it's scary for the small business owner that, you know, to, to see how much, cause I mean, like, I think it's, if it's like under $800, uh, like if, for example, if I Venmo you $800 or something, if you make un or less than $800, it won't get taxed. It's like a certain amount. If it's just like a, maybe I'm paying you for like a lunch you paid for, or like whatever. So now I think a lot more is going to be taxed because um, it's all going through the Fed now thing. And like you said, I think it's going to be very slow because, you know, stuff moves quickly and it's I think it's they're trying to roll something out so new and so quick that it's gonna like just suck to be honest so um I don't know we'll see but 
Yeah, hopefully not. You can only hope for the best, but like you said, we got to wait and see. Um, another another big event uh, that you were kind of filling me in on, you're telling me that um, something about Nancy Pelosi doing something with her stock. What was that all about? Yeah, so apparently Nancy Pelosi is selling off a lot of her um, positions and companies, um, taking a loss on them. Um, you know, obviously we don't know exactly why, but, you know, if you have any common sense, you know why, because of the way the market is and the economy is right now. Um, this could be a sign that we're going into a recession quicker than we think. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's just a bubble and we're just waiting for some person to, you know, come by and accidentally poke it with a needle and, you know, so, um, so we'll see. We're another thing. We're recording this on April 6th and we're kind of through the whole crisis of the Silicon Valley bank. Now I'd like to get your take on, obviously that, that seemed like it was going to be this huge thing that triggered some kind of massive collapse that kind of like, like a domino effect. And we're on the other side of it now. It, it seems to have proceeded through without any kind of major fallout. But do you think that that's sustainable? Do you think that there's going to be some kind of effect that we feel from that later down the road? I, I It's hard to tell um, now. Obviously, the bank collapse was huge, and it wasn't FDIC insured, so that money is not guaranteed by them. So they really don't owe them the money back you know at all um but the crazy thing is my friend was telling me and i had a conversation with him um probably about a month ago or not a month ago probably like two weeks ago um kind of right after this happened he had went to get uh, uh eight thousand dollars out of his bank account um and they're like well sorry we can't we can do four like the max you can do is four and he's like, "What are you like? What are you talking about? The max I can do is four thousand. Like it's my money." And you know, they're like, "That's it. That's how much you can pull out." But they still had to make an order form for it, and it was like going to take three days or something just to get four thousand out of his account, which is that's such a small amount of money. And I don't know. I just, I mean, it goes to show how fragile everything is. Um, so. I don't know, dude. I, I mean, I personally don't keep much money in the bank regardless just because I think it's pointless keeping your money in the bank, um, more than a few thousand, because um, you're not getting any. It's like 0.001% interest on it. Um, that's why most of my is tied up in investments or something earning me passive income. But it's hard to tell now. Obviously, that I, I thought that was going to be the start of like the great downfall you know um where the hammer finally strikes and everything breaks but i think it's coming um you know i know that biden just signed a uh it's like 842 billion dollar um bill in case we go to war which is not going to help the economy just put us in more debt um so we'll see but that's kind of all I know right now and kind of my predictions. So, 
What are some uh, some comment? Because you deal with a lot of people that are trying to get into investing, maybe coming from a place of not really feeling in control of their their financial growth or whatever that might come from. What are some some bad money spending habits that you see that happen often, and how do you combat those those uh, bad money spending habits? So the biggest bad spending habit I see is it's kind of like a dopamine hit when people get their paycheck. Um, and then, you know, let's fast forward a week from now when it's like midway through the week and they're like, shit, like I can't, I can't wait for my next paycheck. Like it's going to be great. I can't wait to be able to buy stuff or, and it's like they get this wave of relief you know, but they're still deep down, like in that hole that they kind of can't get out of because they don't know how to budget their money. And a big thing I see is people spending a lot of money on stuff to look like they have money when they really don't. Um, and that's kind of something that my mentor and my mom instilled in me that, you know, going out and buying a Louis Vuitton bag, it's cool. It's, you know, sure, make you look cool. But like, it doesn't bring you any happiness at the end of the day. It's just, a bag. And so, you know, my mentor literally, we can dive into this in a second, but like the most successful person I've ever met and he buys his t-shirts from Target. They're all Hanes t-shirts, kind of like this black one. They're all black and, you know, cause he just finds value in other things rather than just blowing your money on stuff you don't need. And especially like, I, I, I don't get it how people complain about money and then they'll go out and buy Starbucks or something for $7 for a latte. And then they're like, Oh, like much needed this, you know, I needed this latte. And I don't know, it's just a mindset thing really that needs to shift with people. And that's kind of what we kind of help them with a lot in the program is that like mindset shift. Cause you have to have a good relationship with money before you can start really bringing in more money. So I agree. You could be your your income could 10x, and if you have terrible spending habits, your spending is going to 10x as well, and nothing's going to change. Um, what does you mentioned that uh, you kind of learned through your mentor finding value in other things? What does success mean to you personally? So success for me means making a lot of money and when I see people or people come to me and that's their goal, I, I think it's a good thing, but it just depends on what you use the money for. So like for me, I want to be able to stretch my hands and feel no walls. I want to be able to, you know, take my mom on a paid vacation to Italy and she doesn't have to pay for a dime. I want to be able to provide for my family and it not be an issue and, you know, get to see the world the way I want to and experience the world the way I want to. I don't want to have to always, you know, be stressed or worried about money uh, being an issue. Um, and so that's why I've kind of made it my goal early on to set myself up for success early on. So I don't have to worry about that later. Um, Cause the biggest fear of mine is having that regret later in life of what I could have become um, rather than just be trying to become that person now. Um, in my life. I love it. Um, 
Another thing I wanted to ask you is just as you were kind of getting into that, how did you find a mentor and how has that helped you in your career path? So, yeah, my mentor, David, um, I was very fortunate to know him my whole life. Uh, He's a family friend. Um, So he started dating my mom's like best girlfriend. And that's how we knew him. Um, And they bought a so my mom lives uh, I have my own house now. My mom lives about 30 minutes away from me, um, about a block from the beach. Um, and she, that's where I grew up. And um, my mentor, David, bought a house or a condo about um, five minutes away. Um, and so we would always go to Thanksgiving with them because I don't really have too much family. Um, they've all passed away or just bad relationship with my dad's side of the family. Um, dad's a horrible guy. Um, different, you know, different discussion but so what changed it for me so I've talked a lot about this so I was 19 working a full-time job doing beach chairs um, they make decent money because um, it's like a very expensive area where my, I grew up and um, but I, I was we were having Thanksgiving and I was like yo David like this sucks like I'm working 40 to 50 hours a week all physical labor like lifting chairs heavy chairs all day like I'm sweating all this stuff, like the thought of doing this for the rest of my life would, I would probably rather like jump off a bridge (laughs) if I'm being completely honest. And so he kind of was talking to me about like, cause he didn't have the chance to go to to college. Like he grew up extremely poor um, and opened his own company. Um, It was a a plumbing company. It was a particular part on a toilet and Lowe's actually bought him out for uh, $500 million, um, about seven years ago. And, you know, getting to getting access to him was, you know, I, I, I'm extremely grateful for that. And, you know, learning through him and really him teaching me the value of things and the value of kind of investing in things. So it makes money for you kind of on autopilot instead of having to like slave away so much time to make money. Cause the reason I like investing so much is because even if you were like to go to school to become a doctor or anything like that, to, to make more money, you're going to have to increase your workload. You're going to have to increase the time you're doing, you know, uh, procedures, um, x-rays, whatever. I'm not really sure what they would do to, you know, like make more money, <laughs> but increase their hours basically. And so with this, like, I don't need to do that. You know what I mean? And he kind of instilled that in, into me to work smarter, not harder. Um, and yeah, I mean, I haven't turned back, you know, since 19, I'm 23 now. So, um, but yeah. What do you see as the next steps for your business? What do you hope to do to grow it and move forward with it in the next kind of coming few years? Um, yeah, honestly, I just, I, I, I don't know, like the growth we've had in the past month has been crazy. The end of last month, I was closing like three deals a day. It was crazy. Um, so we're projected to hit our first 10 K month, um, in April this month. Um, and we've kind of already figured out our plan to not hit a plateau and to keep growing, um, you know, by doing things like 
creating a lower ticket item and also creating a higher ticket item so people can more people can get in the lower ticket item and then we'll have you know more of like the serious investors get in at the higher ticket items um yeah i mean that's pretty much it right now i'm not really focused too much on like a five or ten year plan or a few years from now i'm just kind of mainly taking it day by day and just you know once i get to that end of this year i'll look back and be like was you know what i did worth it or not and i think that it will be so sounds like it's going really well so far congrats on all the success there um so kind of shifting away from the one business to focus totally on the other how have you seen things how have you seen focusing on the one thing rather than focusing on a couple things improve the one thing yeah i think so i read i mean this is in a bunch of books i mean um your next five moves is a business book that i really recommend by pat bet david um, atomic habits but they all talk about like breaking down something like to a t like every single part of it like for example like if we send out a email blast like how long is it taking to send out that email blast how many emails are bouncing how many people are opening it like if you break down every single aspect of something you're doing and especially on when i started taking sales calls and doing that and knowing like how to really lead the conversation <clears throat> that's when everything started to change um, and i think so many people are figured on or are kind of set on like that big goal of like oh i want to hit six figures in my business this month it's like okay well like everybody does what well, like you know so how are you going to do that um asking yourself those hard questions of you know what's going to actually give you the best growth um even like the smallest little details have made the biggest difference in our business. Um, so it's just about, you know, trial and error and figuring out what works and just continuing to innovate um, towards that goal. What's an example of something that you thought was a very small detail that ended up making a massive impact? Um, I think... The biggest thing for us has been to focus on weight on one uh, like kind of ad strategy because at first I was trying to juggle all different you know platforms at once I was like oh I'm gonna market on YouTube shorts I'm gonna market on LinkedIn TikTok, Facebook Google you know all this stuff and if you focus on just one and we're focusing on just Instagram and really dial that in, find your, you know, ideal target audience, run tests, see what doesn't work, kill the ones that don't work, and just up thing the budget on, you know, like your ad or whatever. That's what worked for us. Um, kind of a small thing. Um, also, you know, adding in automations have, has helped us tremendously. Um, even like sending people a 30 minute reminder for, you know, our client calls has been a huge thing because it increases show up rate, um, stuff like that. So why Instagram over YouTube shorts or TikTok for your business in particular? Um, so 
I, I've tried all of them. TikTok works good. I don't want to give out too much secret sauce to everyone. Uh, I'll tell you off camera why Instagram is just a gold mine right now. Um, but for Instagram, like Instagram, if, for example, since I'm building something through a personal brand, let's say you meet somebody in public to check them out. What are you going to look up? You're not going to look up their Snapchat, their TikTok. I mean, obviously, people that are older than us would look up Facebook, but people for our age, they're going to immediately go to their Instagram, right? And so if we can make the Instagram look super high value and immediately know what I do when they click on my profile, um, I just think it's the best way to go about it right now, um, at least because it's, I guess, kind of like a digital resume. Um, So that's kind of our strategy about it. I would agree with that. I mean, my uh, it's a lot easier to grow just numbers wise on TikTok, but and and YouTube Shorts, I would say. Um, I mean, my TikTok following for the podcast is like more than ten x what it is on Instagram. But I find guests for the podcast on Instagram. People actually can. Mm-hmm. People actually go in and check it out and, and actually message me. No one messages me on TikTok about the podcast. People just go on on Instagram. So I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a good yeah. point. Um, it's it's a lot easier to just grow on TikTok, but you can't really you can't really take advantage of that growth very much. I've I've noticed. Right. Um, yeah. Goal for us too is um, we're really pushing content heavy i mean i'm posting on just different platforms and stuff probably eight pieces of content a day and the main goal is to funnel them to the instagram from those different you know platforms um because like you said it's just i'm i get all my messages through there so yeah makes total sense um so i have a couple questions i always like to end every interview with um and you can take some time to think about them. And uh, if you want, I can edit it because I, I forgot to tell you these ones before. But the first question I have is, and I would use kind of you starting your investment journey as the, the beginning point for this. But if you could go back in time and just talk to a younger Lars as he was getting into investing, getting into entrepreneurship, into this whole world, having done the things you've done, knowing the things that you know, haven't gotten to the point that you're at now, what are a couple things that you would tell him to do differently? Um, yeah, dude, I, that's easy. I got this right off the top of my head. So a lot of people don't know this, but when I first started investing, um, I lost around 20000 so I was $20,000 in debt, um, and I kind of had to dig myself out of that hole, um, and then that's the that's like the shift that I had where I was like, okay, like I'm like, it, I'm getting my shit together. Like this is not acceptable. Um, and obviously like talking with David and stuff like that really, you know, motivated me. But I think that, yeah, I mean, the first thing I would do if I was, you know, re getting into this stuff, I would learn stuff first, like invest in learning, invest in programs, mentorships, whatever before I just tried to dive something into something head first. And that's just in any thing in general, like, you know what I mean? It's better to have the knowledge first so you don't run into these unexpected roadblocks. 
um, or learn for somebody that has gone through those roadblocks or over those speed bumps and they can kind of show you and guide you to not, you know, dive into that or fall into that hole. Um, so yeah, for sure, investing more into learning earlier on, I'm still trying to invest as much as I can into programs, books, you know, classes, stuff, but I really would have hammered it more, um, if, if I would have, you know, known that. That's a big, scary lesson to learn the wrong way. I'm glad you made it out of that. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then the other question I have for you is the show is called profession session. And really my goal on every episode is to kind of get closer to answering the question, what is a professional? So my question to you is, what does it mean to you personally to be a professional? Um, yeah, I think what separates, you know, the, the 1% from the 99% is what really makes a professional being in that top 1%, you know, that everyone wants to be in. Um, but nobody wants to do the work that the 1% does. And that's the big thing is motivation is only going to get you so far in life. And what people don't understand about motivation is it's a feeling. It's a, just an emotion. That's that's it. And so you can watch all these videos, listen to, you know, David Goggins, um, Jocko, whoever you want all day long. But it's not going to actually, they're not going to do the work for you. So you, there has to become a time in your life where you actually decide, make that conscious decision to start putting in the work. Because the discipline is going to get you a lot farther than, you know, the motivation will and that's what kind of separates a amateur from a professional is they're going to show up regardless of how they feel and do something whereas the amateur is going to make all these excuses or you know give themselves breaks or something like that um and i guess that's kind of you know my thought process on it and you know having also the access to knowledge or knowing things because a lot of people want to make money but they don't even know what money is they don't know what a bank does when they get your money. So they first need to learn about stuff like that and then try to dive into the other things. Um, so learning is a huge part of it as well. That's a very good point is you can learn all this stuff, but you gotta, you gotta actually execute. You gotta take the action. I mean, they're the people that teach you how to do things are not going to actually do the things for you. It's a very simple Mm -hmm. point, but one that a lot of people need to hear. I think anything else that you would want to get into share with the audience, anything like that? I don't know, I guess I can close it off here, but last line. Um, I want to, I guess, send a message to anyone watching that if you are on the brink of giving up or it feels hard or it feels tiring and you think something is not going your way and it's time to give up, right around the corner is success because every area of my life where I've almost wanted to give up, right around the corner is that thing that I've wanted. And so if you just keep pushing, you'll get it. And I absolutely promise you that. I totally agree. I mean, it's, uh, it's just a matter of time. If you work hard enough and stay focused enough for long enough and put in enough work to the point where it's unreasonable for you to fail, then you won't fail. Well, thank you so much for being on, man. How can people find you? Uh, what should people look for to get in touch with you, find your business, et cetera? Um, so yeah, my Instagram is Lars Raymond. Um, that's, you can find all my socials there. Um, 
TikTok, everything's under my name. Um, pretty un- you know, I have a pretty unusual name, so it's not too hard to find me. And then my podcast is called Over the Opinions. Um, it's on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcast, and uh, yeah, I'd love to connect with anybody watching. So.